Welcome to episode 20 of the Belief Shift Podcast. Welcome back, George. Hi. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. We haven't recorded since before Thanksgiving. Really? I think so. Because then you got all crazy busy. Yeah. A lot of travel with Las Vegas, India, Singapore. Yep. You were off the grid. (laughs) Bellevue. Yeah. Way off the grid. Snoqualmie literally was off the grid. Actually, yes, you were off the grid, powerless in many ways, literally and figuratively, maybe. So how were your holidays, speaking of which? It's good. Got to see you guys. Family time was good. Yeah. Family, were they okay? Did they treat you well? We were, man, I, Savita and I, my wife and I, for the audience out there, my wife Savita and I were talking about it after when we realized that it, it seemed like all four of us adults who are not grandparents were exhausted that week. And it turned out well for all of us. I'm like, we didn't really over plan stuff because none of us seemed to have the energy to. We didn't (laughs) want to put a bunch on you and Dan. And so hanging out with you was good. It was very laid back. We're all tired, but in a good way. And we had a nice time. Yeah. And it's always nice when you're here that I don't feel like I have to entertain you. We're just going to hang out and it's okay. And Though I was thinking as we were getting ready to record, I thought, oh, this is going to be so nice. I finally get to have some one-on-one time to hang out with my brother, which I didn't do at all over the holidays, which was weird. We just didn't. We just couldn't, which was fine. But yeah, it was interesting to not have that happen. I noticed that too. Getting a little bit of one-on-one time with Dan, though, was great because we don't do it that often. That was really fun. Yeah, that was good. I'm glad you guys got to do that. I don't know if you ever want to talk about his business here, but seeing him at the ground level at his business is fascinating to me and what he deals with. You know, it's a totally different area than I'm familiar with and he knows his stuff. It's nice to see expertise in action. Yes. I think it would be interesting to have him on because I think he definitely underestimates his level of expertise, but he'd have a lot to say about what it's like to be married to a planner and him not being a planner and how I'm trying to help him this year. And just the idea that we both have our own businesses and what does that mean as a, like a married couple? Pros and cons. Oh, yeah. Welcome to The Belief Shift, the show that explores what you really need to know about building a successful small business. I'm your host, Camille Rapaz, small business coach and consultant who spent too much of her career working in corporate business performance. And I'm George Trapeau, your co-host and her brother. I'm a leader in the tech world, bringing my corporate perspective, but mostly my curiosity. Together, we're exploring beliefs about success and how to achieve it, but mostly we're bringing practical solutions so you and your business can thrive. I have a question for you. Yes. So I have a break that's defined by my company. My company was shut down the last week of the year, but you you are your company. How did you make a break happen and how was it? So I did make a break happen. I mean, thankfully, most of my clients also want to take a break. So it works out that people all want to kind of step aside. The frustration for me is when I take a break, but it doesn't feel much like a break, like the holidays were too busy for me. So I didn't feel very rejuvenated afterwards. Like if I'm going to break away from work, I want to go be away and relax. And even though there was lots of fun in the holidays, I was doing a lot of stuff. So that's where it doesn't quite balance. I got to figure out a better way to do it whether that means taking more time off after, before I come back to work in the new year or something, because you're still busy. It's still hectic. It's just now I'm busy doing something else. So I didn't get to just kind of chill out. So it was nice when you were here that we did have some time where we were just kind of relaxing, And but it's still not the same as when you're in your house by yourself. I mean, there's days when I'm like, 
I'm happy that my husband is gone for the day and I just have the house to myself because that's yeah. like introvert refueling day. So yeah, I got to do more of that. Yeah, I totally get that. Enough about these holidays. Let's get into it. I thought maybe we'd start and tell everybody that we know we had a little planning discussion yesterday, you and I. So I wanted to touch on a few of the things that we were talking about doing this year. <clears throat> no promises, but these are some of our ideas for the year. And mostly I want to touch on these because I would love to hear from people if they have things that they would like us to talk about or types of guests they'd like us to have on. So this year, we're going to do some deep dive into the belief shifts. And we're going to start that today, actually, just take one of the belief shifts and just really go into it. And how do you actually use that belief shift to improve your business? Because they are all based on things that I think if you really embrace them could make a difference. So that's one thing we're going to do. We're thinking about maybe doing some book reviews or recommendations. That means George has to have time to read a book. So we'll see how that goes. So we might do that. We also talked about doing some tech tips. Maybe George will nerd out a little bit. And I always some. have time for that. Forget the books, tech tips. I know. I think when I said this to you, I was like, what do you think about doing tech tips? You were like, oh, that would be like 5,000 hours of podcast recording. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you might need your own podcast just for that. <laughs> But it was like tech tips or gadgets or just little things that really could help in general. So that's one I think could be really cool because it could be some pretty basic stuff that really helps people. Also, we talked about maybe doing some, how do I do some of this stuff? So you had this idea, George, of me showing people how I do some specific aspect of planning or organizing or whatever. That's a little bit more YouTube-ish visually, yeah. but... I mean, all of these are going on YouTube, so we could talk about it in the podcast and then have more visual stuff on YouTube. So that might be cool. We definitely want more guests. The guests I'm thinking in terms of just wanting to hear other business owners' stories that you can learn from, but if anybody wants to be a guest or has an idea for a guest that we should have on, we're down for that. So we definitely want to have at least one guest a month. And then of course, our main focus will always be on strategy, planning, leadership, just all the fundamental stuff in business that it takes in order for you to have a thriving business that you can also enjoy while you're running it. So it's all this very basic fundamental stuff that nobody taught us how to do. We just decided to start a business and here we are kind of winging it on some of these things. So we want to make sure we're giving you that level of information and education. That is what we're hoping to do for the rest of the year. We're in it for the year, right, George? Yes. We're going to do like 50 episodes. No question. All right. So we do want to hear from you. Please go to thebeliefshift.com. There'll be a link in the show notes. Leave us a message. Say, I want to hear about this, or I really don't care about that, but I do want to know about this. We definitely want to hear from you because this is for you. I mean, it's a little bit for George and I, just because we get to hang out, but it's all mostly for you, the listener. Yeah, we're making this for you. It really should be for the listener, shouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> so let's get into the actual topic of the day. Okay. It is that time of year when we set goals for the year. And that means we're always trying to get better outcomes than we did in the past in our businesses and in our life for that matter. And that's a good thing, right? We would definitely yes. want to be getting better outcomes, but we can't stop there. It is important that we always start with the end in mind. Like what do I want to achieve long-term and how do I ideally want things to work? But that's just step one. And if that's all we do, so if I just write my goal on a post-it and stick it on my computer, I'm not done. It's still just a thought or an idea at that point. That's all it is. It might be a really good one, but that's all it is and all it will ever be if you don't start to actually do the work. So we have to, at some point, go from the thinking part of dreaming up all the cool stuff we want to do to the doing part. 
So today I wanted to take a deep dive on one of the belief shifts that I think really makes a difference in increasing the odds of success in achieving our goals. So this is pop quiz time for George. <laughs> Don't cheat. <laughs> I know you want to. Which belief shift do you think I'm going to pull out of this whole list that would be most impactful in supporting goal achievement? Well, given that there's a belief shift called process over outcomes, I'm going to go with that one as the most relevant for our process over outcomes episode. <laughs> you think? Yeah. See, you're just cheating. I'm all in on that. I should not show you the title of an episode before I ask yeah. you these questions. <laughs> but I know it's a trick question. I know. It is a trick question in a way because, I mean, really all of them are designed to help you be better at achieving your goals, all of the eight belief shifts. But I am focusing on process over outcomes, partly because um, this one has been showing up recently in my work. And so I really started to think about this a little more deeply and thought, oh, this would be a great time to just take a deep dive on this. So I have a little client story to share with you. I've been doing a lot of work with them on their strategic planning process. We're working a new process this year for them. And one of the themes that keeps showing up in the work with them is, because they haven't had a focus on this process of developing their plan and how they go about developing that plan, I'm recognizing every time we get in a conversation with the leaders and with the teams, the type of conversation they're having is incredible, but it's so obvious to me that this is the only time they're having it. So it's the only time they're really having a conversation about what their shared priorities are as a team right? Even it's just like four people. So some of these are bigger conversations, bigger teams, and some of them are smaller. It doesn't really matter the size or the group or where or who. It's just really obvious to me, like they haven't made the connections between what their priorities are and the bigger priorities of the company and what they all should be really working on and what they all care about. And it's been great because they're having these really cool moments of alignment, like, oh yeah. And that and they're yes anding on top of their everybody's ideas, but it's this lack of connection on a regular basis that's really showing up because they don't focus on this process at all. They have been setting strategic goals every year, but not in this way. So the theme that the, the common thing that I hear is I'm saying, yeah, well, we say we're going to do that every year and nothing ever happens. Therein lies the problem. They're setting a goal, but they're not actually achieving it. And it's because there's really no focus on this process of not just setting the goal, but the, the process we're building out for them starts with the setting of these goals. And now it's moving into the process of how we're going to actually go pursue them. How did they get in that position? They're setting goals, but they don't really have a process that drives and they're successful by some definition, successful, right? I was like, how do they get in that place? I would just say that their culture has always been very much a just go do it kind yeah. of process. They've kind of been all over the map in terms of being financially successful. So it's not like, oh, and the company's doing great. Not necessarily. Like their lack of this process has also meant they've missed out on opportunity I see. that they should have been able to capitalize on, but they haven't. It's not been a good thing for them. The other thing that I see them do is in order to achieve success, make a goal, just make money. Let's just say that in order for them to make money, everybody's working way harder than they should have to. I think they kind of feel it, but it's just the way that it is for them. They can't see the forest for the trees. They're just in it. Yeah. I coming from the outside, I'm like, 
wow, that looks a lot harder than it needs to be to accomplish what you're doing because I see this lack of process and connection and it shows up in a lot of different ways. So another place that it's not just in the strategic planning process. So one of the examples of this was one of the teams was like, yeah, we want to make sure we have a plan to focus on revenue, of course. Sure. And so one of their basic things was, you know, what we should do is we should really focus on improving our connections with our current customers because they want to keep those customers and keep selling stuff. And so they said, yeah, we should talk to our customers more often. Great. But what does that actually mean? That's not a very specific goal. Like more often, one more time a year, what does it mean? As we got into it, one of the things that came up was, oh, we have a CRM or a customer relationship management system and we're not using it. Do we even know if it's up to date? When was the last time anybody looked at it? And then somebody said, what even is a CRM? They had this ability And they hadn't been using it because they just lacked a focus on the process for connecting with their customers. They're basically just winging it. They're just doing it on the fly when they need to. Like, oh, we need more revenue. I'm just picturing them in their office space, just kind of like, hey, we need to meet the number this month. Okay, you call this customer, you call them, you call them, and let's see if we can sell some stuff. It's just like a ad hoc at the end of the day, let's just scramble and do some stuff. can totally see that. Yeah. Yeah. So this lack of process is showing up in sort of multiple ways for them. I see. That's what made me think about this. wanting to focus on the outcomes, relationship of outcomes to process, and really talk about different scenarios for this. It doesn't matter where you're trying to get outcomes, whether it's in your business or it's in your personal Mm -hmm. life. Focus on process is how you set yourself up for success. Why was that hard to say? Set yourself (laughs) up for success. (laughs) So George, I'm curious. Are you setting goals right now? Personal, professional, like what's happening in your goal setting process-y world? As it turns out right now, I mean, yes, 20,000 person company, we've been working on goals for this year for the past few months for a while. So in terms of process, we have at least enough process. Sometimes in these big companies, I experience too much process. I would say right now, The problem isn't that we have too much process, that our process is taking too much time. We're not moving fast enough through it, but the the process itself, I don't really have a big problem with. We have other problems like lack of direction from leadership. So the people who are executing our process, when we get stuck, we don't have good guidance about which way to go and decide. That's a problem. But the process itself mostly is good. I've definitely been here in previous years where just set goals with no process or just start executing with no process. That's not my current problem, but I've seen a plenty, plenty. And how does that usually work out? With well-intentioned people, you end up kind of going off track and you get results that like, well, I see how you got there, but that's not what we're going for because they have real no guidance. For people who are trying to game the system, it's just horrible. So for example, in our sales force, we have quarterly goals and quarterly bonuses. And without a process for defining how to set your bonus, what will happen is you get to the end of the quarter and the salesperson will be a little bit low on their quota. Their manager will say, well, let's just do this other thing that we do, this other component of your bonus, just load it up with a bunch of kind of dummy accomplishments. And that'll be able to get you a higher bonus for the quarter. But you never thought through what those accomplishments were. So they're all made up. There's no process for really dealing with you. Just kind of throwing stuff at, at them to make their bonuses work. So you're wasting company money. The accomplishments aren't really focused on anything. At the worst, it looks like that. It's horrible. Yeah, I think that's where you're just trying to do anything to hit the goal so you can 
you know, check the box. And in this case, I mean, yeah, I'm trying to reward this person, but that's not what that goal is designed to do. This is where I think small business has an advantage because they don't have a board of directors or somebody looming over them saying you must hit this number or else. And so they can design their goals at a different level in much more detail and not have to do some crazy moves in their business just to hit a number so that they don't get fired or that they don't miss their bonus or whatever this bad thing is going to happen. Right. Yeah. So I think that's where there is some difference in for small businesses. They have to hit their numbers for a whole other reason. Right. Which could also still cause them to do crazy stuff like, Hey, I want to make sure I can pay all my employees and pay the bills at the end of the day. They might have a different level of problem. But at least it's not this artificial thing. It's like a real tangible, this is still about the success of the business itself. It's about the business staying in business, right? Yeah. And not just about, can I pay somebody an extra chunk of change? Yeah, exactly. So yay for small business owners that we have that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about why to value the process over the outcome, because there is such a heavy emphasis on have goals or set big goals or, you know, goals, goals, goals all the time. What I've seen sometimes is I've seen people take this to the extreme as focusing on process and ignoring your goals can give you this greater chance of success. Mm-hmm. And even to the point where some say, just ignore the goals completely, just ignore goals and focus on process. And I think that's a little hyperbolic because it, you can't not have a goal at all because without the goal, how do you know what process to establish? They're related. Yeah, of course. So you do have to start with the end in mind. You have to start with what am I actually want to have happen? And then you still need a, now a process in order to make that happen, but you can't just disregard the goal completely. So I get why people say that. So if you've been hearing that, like I hear this, ignore the goals and focus on the process and goals don't matter. They still matter. But what they're trying to get you to do is to shift to a focus on just once you've set the goal, then just pay attention to the process. And if you have the right process, it's going to get you to the goal. That's why they say, ignore the goal. If you have the right process, it will get you to your goal. So you can focus on just that process and trust it's going to get you where you want to go, as opposed to continually focusing just on that goal. Let's talk about an example of this. A very simple example might be I could set a goal of wanting to connect with X number of potential clients in a day or a week as a way to grow my business, right? So I want to reach out to three new people every week. And so you could start to imagine what my process might look like around figuring out who those people would be, what's my method for reaching them, how am I going to keep track of all this? It's kind of related to the earlier when I was talking about the CRM. I need some customer relationship management process here and for outreach and how I'm going to manage all of that. So you can see how I would design something that would have me focused on that as a goal. However, if I set a goal of making X number of dollars a month as a way to grow my business, now both of these are business growth goals. Both of these are ultimately about, I need to make more money in my business But this one, I'm just focusing on the dollars themselves. So it's this end goal, this outcome that I want, but I haven't said anything about how to go about it. So suddenly the process is like, what what process do I have for that? There's so many ways I could do that besides just reaching out to X number of clients. There's so many different ways I could go about doing that. So now you can see where the process starts to get a little bit messy, right? So when you think about, focusing on the process, 
this is why we say that, because if I design this, how many dollars a month I want to make, and I'm not specific about how I want to do it, how I want to actually make my revenue, and I don't design a process to do it, I literally have a goal with no path to get there, right? I just have a money number and lots of business owners do have this. Like, I know how much money I want to make. I haven't really been specific about exactly how I want to make it. Or maybe I know I'm going to continue to do X, but I haven't done the full thing. I only know how I'm going to get halfway there. I don't know how I'm going to get all the way there. I get that. In a small business, the stakes are so high, whether you make your revenue number or not, that's your paying rent or not your eating. I can get why people would over-rotate on that. And it makes me think this is one thing that entrepreneurs are good at. That They're good at assuming risk and withholding on that end revenue number for a while. And they're focusing on more process type things. You take the... This is a story from a movie, but the story about Facebook's growth from the social network and Zuckerberg not worrying so much about the money he was going to make, but building up the audience to focusing on the process of what are we going to do to make people engaged and the the money we'll get to later, which is kind of dangerous, but it turned out to be fantastically successful. And especially, I think if you're a small business and you're just starting, you don't get to keep having that small business if you don't make an X amount of money. And this is where, you know, businesses are either, if you're going after funding or whatever you're doing, you know, like the Zuckerberg example is you get X amount of funding so that you can just be, you're, you're selling people on the concept of your business, getting them to buy into that. And then that buys you time to build the audience for the thing. Yeah. And I do see a lot of people talk in the business development space. They talk a lot about focus on building an audience, focus on building, because it's also a long game right? You have to have some attention to, am I continuing to grow my potential client base? Because without that, I don't, I can have the best product in the world or service in the world. And it won't matter if there's nobody to sell it to. It's definitely a challenge for business owners. We get really focused on that number and any way to do it. It's also how I think business owners get hung up in creating a business that they end of the day, then they didn't really intend or, and don't like, Because they end up saying yes to potential ways to make money because they're focused on the number. Like I need to hit my number. So I'm going to say yes to these ways of making money. And the next thing you know, they're like, oh, I I said yes to stuff that wasn't in my original business model, but now I'm kind of stuck with it. So because they didn't focus on the process of building the business they want, and they just focused on the outcome of make X amount of money, they end up with kind of this mess of a business that doesn't really connect anything together. And when you're starting, a lot of us do say yes to work that isn't ideally what we want to do. So that's okay if you have a plan for that, right? I have a plan for I'm going to shrink this part and I'm going to grow this other aspect of my business. But I do see lots of business owners doing it without that thought. And they just say, oh, and and this new opportunity and that new opportunity, I'm going to go after this. And this looks great. It's like that shiny squirrel syndrome. Like, I just can't stop chasing them all down. And I think that the source of that for many of them is they lack a process and an understanding for how they actually want to grow and build up a revenue stream for their business. So they're just saying yes to the opportunities as they come up. Yeah, I get that. The other thing that this brings up when I think about this example, this is why you should value process over the outcome is that the process will help you clarify the outcomes you want. So this last example I gave of, I want to make X amount of money. It's a pretty vague goal. I mean, every business has it. We all have that as a goal. I'm not saying you shouldn't, 
but it's too vague to take action on. You need to now break that down into what are the specific objectives for how I'm going to do it. This is why you need a strategy. What's my strategy for how I'm going to make that money? I need to know how, and I can't build a good process for it if I'm not specific enough about what I want. A process is a good way to test. Is this a really good goal for me to pursue? So I can set that goal. I can try to build a process. And if I don't really know, or if the process is like, that's impossible, there's just too many ways, then I can recognize that this is too vague of a goal for me to actually pursue. So it can help you get clarity and be more specific. In the last example, it was, I'm going to be specific about, I'm going to contact X number of potential clients every week. That's going to be a way I want to grow my business. It could also be something like, I'm going to grow my email list by a certain amount, or I'm going to go to X number of networking events. Like these would be different ways that you would grow your business and you set specific goals for them. If all you say is I need to grow my business and you aren't specific, maybe you try to do all of them. Actually, what I think was more likely to happen is that this is where business owners get stuck when they're like, I'm stuck and I'm, I don't know what to do. It's because they had, they don't have clarity about what process to follow, what steps to take. And so there's too many options, yeah. right? If we have too many options, we can't make choices. I think there was a study about this where they did a study and they set up a table with a bunch of jams at a grocery store. So they had all these different types of jams and people could pick. And if there were too many, people couldn't make a decision. And if you narrowed the choices, then people could make decisions. The paradox of choice is the, mm -hmm. the common term that we hear about it. I can't remember if there's a book about it or many books or whatever, but yeah, that the paradox of choice is a problem for Americans. That's for sure. Yes. I feel like that's in like a, this is in some nerdy book that we should probably review that I think yeah. I've read like behavioral probably. economics audience, or something. What's the book? One of you must know it. <laughs> It's, it's somewhere in my shelf back here. I think, I think like behavioral economics or something like that. It's like by a behavioral oh, yeah. economics professor Daniel Ariely or somebody. Yes. Actually, I think that is who it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds right. My favorite example in my personal life, in my experience about process versus outcomes comes back to when I was in the, in a drum bugle corps, Santa Clara Vanguard, 1985. So billion years ago in the percussion section, the whole attitude about the Vanguard, the Vanguard was a top two drum corps worldwide that year. We did fantastically well. It was a, an amazing season and the beginning of a five-year run, second place, second place, second place, second place, first place. And the thing about the Vanguard was the way that the staff philosophy, we didn't really talk about winning. We've rarely talked about winning our shows. We liked winning. We didn't actually start winning our shows until halfway through the season. The staff kept talking about improving and helping us learn to be better than who we thought we could be. Focus on getting better. Focus on improving your marching technique, your playing technique, your ensemble, your ensemble chops, all of that stuff. And if you focus on that stuff, mechanics, your process, we promise you the results are going to take care of themselves. And getting, I mean, all of us, the core members bought into that because it was drilled into us 14 hours a day all summer long. But it's right. I mean, it's absolutely right. There were other cores that I would see and they would have a bad night. And we'd hear stories about how the core leadership would punish the members by right after the show, they'd have to go and do punishing drills before they got their late night snack, before they got to get on the bus and go to the next city. And it was just, it was demoralizing and not clear that it worked. You're not clear that it had an outcome, a desirable outcome. If we lost a show 
but we did a good show by our own means. We did all the things that we thought we were supposed to do, focused on what we learned that day. Everything was good. You know, we didn't worry about it because we it was all part of this process. That's my favorite example that I can think of still about success coming from focusing on process over outcomes. I love that example because I think it also connects so closely to just what I think about employee engagement. I know they weren't employees, but all of the members of the core and how you create more engagement from them. And it's not by punishing them, right? It's by saying, here's the process. Here's how we're going to acknowledge how we're doing in that process. And that's motivating. You're like, okay, we did it right. Of course they want to win. So they know now we got to focus on this process in order to win. You don't have to punish them for not winning. They're punishing themselves. They're there for winning. This reminds me of one more thing. So the outcome, I think you mentioned this, is not always in our control. So we go to a show, we compete, and we get a score. And that score is broken down into many different subcategories. Music execution, design of the show, the general effect on the audience, the marching execution, individual and ensemble performance. And there are judges on the field and in the press box assessing all of those individually. And at the end, all the core directors and the staff go to a post-show recap with the judges about why they scored the cores in a particular way. They have tapes. And then we, the next day, we get some sort of guidance from our section leaders about that. Here's the thing. The judges are not infallible. They would give us an outcome for that night, but the staff would hear that and say, wait, whoa, 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 you judged us wrong. Here's what we're trying to do with the show and what you did not notice or did not pick up on. We were going this direction. And so our staff would lobby the judges say, you gave us a bad outcome. Go fix that. And so if we were focused on the winning so much and we got a particular score that was wrong because it was judged wrong, we would have been all off. Instead, they would tell us, no, don't worry about that. We got that part. We'll fix the, the assessment of outcome. You worry about the process of getting there. Yes. Yeah. And we didn't talk about this yet. So let's do it, which is one of the reasons to focus on process and why it matters so much is one of them is that outcomes are not fully in our control back again to just as a business, you set a revenue goal. We would all like to believe we are fully in control of that, hitting that number, but we're not. Things are going to happen that are outside of our control in terms of how, you know, whether we're going to be able to hit that or not. COVID. And COVID, perfect example. Yeah. Any number of things, it can be big or small, or it doesn't really matter. The point is that you really don't have full control over that. So if you are only assessing your business performance based on that single measure that you ultimately don't have full control over, how demoralizing is that? How are you going to stick with it if that's the only thing you're really going to judge yourself by? Because you don't get to go like your example, we don't get to go and say, hey, I deserved to make more money. It's not my fault that this COVID thing happened. I don't get to go say that and then get the bottom line of my company changed. So we can't go make a case anywhere. We're just stuck with that outcome. And it's why you've got to have a way to assess the performance of your business based on how well both your processes are performing and how well you are doing and executing on those processes, which makes me connect to the thing that I love the most that really made this whole process focus stand out for me was when I got into understanding lean performance improvement because that is very process focused. It's actually this connection of how to have continuous improvement with engagement of employees happening in a company as a way to elevate the overall performance of the company. And it's really focused on, are we measuring the right things? 
which is much more process measures than outcome measures? And are we doing the work to continuously improve on those processes and focusing on them enough as a way to elevate the business as opposed to the carrot and stick approach to hitting some outcome? I love that way of thinking. And I think we'll talk about that more over this year as well. I want to bring more of those principles in because there's some leadership principles and behaviors that we can talk about around how you do that. And I think if small business owners really leaned into, leaned into lean, I'm sorry, didn't mean to do that. If we really did that, there are so many ways that it would help small business owners to run much more effective, efficient, and and just joyful businesses. Because it also is very much founded in finding more joy in the work by not making it so painful to do it. If we just let the processes happen, they're kind of painful. Like they just show up as being awful and painful and hard for everybody. And everybody will say, oh, I don't have time to fix it. And it's because you're in this painful process that you haven't paid attention to. So we will definitely talk about that more. So let's hit some of these other ways that I think the focus on the process matters. So in addition to you don't have control, when you focus on the process, it does help you see that. So we talked about this a little bit, but it helps you see the progress and to stay motivated because you're focused on how am I doing in the process on a regular basis, as opposed to just waiting at the end of the year to see if I achieve my big goal. Can you imagine waiting, even if it's for the quarter, do I have to wait till the end of the quarter to see if I get to celebrate that I made my goal? Like, that's not great. (laughs) I don't know about you, but I need some regular motivation and feedback to feel good about what I'm doing. Yeah. You get that with a process focus. That makes me think about physical therapy. If you've ever been to physical therapy and you have a long recovery, if you focus on my arm's broken, when's it going to be fine? Oh, it's going to be 13 weeks. Damn it. However, a good physical therapy plan can get you focused on your process of getting better and you can see progress and results and that's motivating. Yeah. You're looking at the incremental improvement that's happening. So you can see that this work is actually working for you. It happens in so many of the goals that we set for ourselves where we're just looking to achieve this, I don't know, some weight loss goal or money-making goal or whatever it is. Did I do the small things I'm supposed to do that really matter? And can, and, and am I celebrating them? So A lot of business owners, when I ask them to do that reflection process of, well, what what were your accomplishments? They're kind of like blank because they're focused on the big outcome and not the small things that they've been doing to achieve that outcome. So they're not celebrating those small wins. And sometimes they'll even say to me, yeah, but that's just, that's just what I do. Yeah. And those are accomplishments. Like don't undermine your own success and ability to stay motivated by just chalking it up to just what I do. Cause it might be just what you do, but it's not just what everybody's doing. Cause not everybody is doing this thing of building a business. So it's an accomplishment. All right. So other things that I think make a difference, it does make it easier. And this is related to what you just said. It makes it easier to interpret feedback so you can improve. So if I'm focused on incrementally, how is my process going? If I see there's some part of the process that isn't working, I have an opportunity to fix that. If I'm not paying attention to the process and then I miss my big goal, how do I even know what to do differently next time? I don't have a process to actually change. So in lean, we talk about this as have I set a standard process up that I know I should follow? And then if that process isn't getting me the outcome, now I can go look at the process and change it. But if I don't even have a standard process and I'm just willy-nilly doing this work any way I want, I don't know what to fix. Yeah. So that's another reason process matters. And then also I would say most of the goals you set are not one and done. 
you're not just one time trying to make this much revenue. (laughs) So you want a process for how you're going after it because it A, will make your goals easier and B, is the thing you can then improve on to get more revenue next time or just kind of winging it every year instead of I've got a focus plan for how I make X revenue and then here's my, how I'm going to go make more revenue plan. And there's processes that supports that. If you don't have that, you're just kind of winging it and you're just hoping it's going to go well, you're going to get tired. That's a hard way to do it. It does sound tiring, actually. (laughs) Yes, it's very tiring. It's hard, I think, for business owners who aren't familiar too with just the idea of what does good process look like? Because to you, something you said earlier in this conversation, you can have too much process. You can over-process things. If you're going into this and you're wary because you're like, I don't want to have too much process because it feels restrictive or it feels bureaucratic. It feels like too much overhead. I hear you. It's possible. Yeah. Most of the small business owners I run into, that's not their problem. Yeah. Their problem is lack of process because they're an entrepreneur and they're free-spirited and they want to just do things the way they want to do them. And they don't yet have that experience of how a good process can be freeing for them. That sounds counterintuitive to them. So if that's you, I want you, I hope you're just maybe perked up some curiosity about this and how could process actually help me have more freedom in my business as opposed to feel more restrictive? Because that is what happens. It's hard for people to maybe conceptually get until they've experienced it. Once you experience it, you're like, oh, I totally get it now. I see how this happens. So if that's a point of resistance for you, just Try to put on that curiosity hat and explore this some more in terms of how it could help you. This is essentially why the whole lean performance improvement methodology even exists and why companies have worked so hard to embrace it. But it's also why it's been really hard for companies to embrace it because it doesn't really come naturally to us. Yeah, I see that. Anything else you can think of, George? Did we miss anything in terms of like the value of focusing on process over outcomes? There's one more thing that comes to mind. I don't think we've missed anything. I I agree with all this. It sits very well with me personally, probably because we think very similarly. (laughs) It's Um, a good thing you're the co-host on the podcast and agreeing with me. So yeah, yeah. you're you're still passing the test. I have not hired you. (laughs) The other thing about it for me, and we've talked about this in a previous episode, is the ability to teach others and to pass on. So if you have a process, when I think about how we manage the work within my team, I have a process set up and I teach the process to people so they understand, look, here's the whole framework, what we're going after and how we do it. It's it's good in a lot of ways. If I ever go somewhere and I need a successor, I can hand the process over to the successor and things can go along more smoothly. If I'm teaching people the process, it's easier for them to get buy-in on the whole thing and they understand where we're going along. So the, the teachability aspect of a process is better than a goal because if I just get people the goal, that's not enough. It doesn't come with any context, but the process necessarily has context. Yes. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you brought that up because this came up in some themes around with this client that I'm working with on their strategic plan was that they're lacking a good onboarding process. And as I hear that, and I know them, I'm hearing also, yeah, you also lack just clarity in the process. Like it's hard to onboard somebody if you aren't clear exactly how they should go about doing that work and what those expectations are. So to your point, if you plop somebody into the job and say, your job is to make sure X number of widgets get done. They're like, but but how, how do I build the widget? Show me what to do. What's the standard process here? So in another episode, we will go into 
more of this from the perspective of standard operating procedures or SOPs? Like what are all the tools and the ways that should be defining your process, internal processes in your business? And then all the value of that, how do I use that in onboarding process? It really will help. It relates to the idea for small business owners of that challenge of having high turnover. It's like, oh, so-and-so left and they finally just understood how I think and how to do everything in my business. I mean, Katie and I were just talking about that. She's doing an SOP on how to do the whole podcast thing. Because she does all that behind the scenes. Yeah. 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 So somebody's got to document that. So at least there's a, here's the standard process for how you go through it. So yeah, that's such a good one. It's so important for being able to have that onboarding process go well. Okay. So last couple of minutes, we have one last point that I want to make before we close this out on what people should do is I just want to touch on it. And I think we'll do a whole episode on this, but I just want to touch on the value of measurement here. There's two types of measurements you can think about when you think about process and outcome, which is I can either measure the process itself or I can measure the outcome I want. And you should do both. But typically we focus on an outcome measure. Again, I need to make X number of dollars. That's an outcome I want. I want X number of dollars by some date. But what you really should focus on is the process that's going to get you that outcome. So what can, and this is what we tend not to measure very well, is what can I measure in the process to see if I'm on track? In the examples we talked about today, it would be, did I make X number of potential new client contacts in the quarter? Like if my goal was to do five of those, did I do it? If I didn't, then I can probably, you know, look at my long-term outcome goal and go, oops, it's probably in jeopardy. Unless I said yes to a bunch of other crazy stuff I shouldn't have probably said yes to. (laughs) Yep. So think about when you're setting goals to think about the process goals. So we'll talk about this in another episode, break those down. How do you use them? What are good examples? What should small businesses measure? We'll get into that later. Anything else you want to add to that? I would just add that if you look at any publicly traded company's quarterly results call, you'll see proof of this. Like Tesla right now, Tesla is doing financially great and they're getting beaten up in the market. And they're getting beaten up in the market partly because their CEO is being a doofus with his other non-energy related company. And it's actually telling the market, wow, we're not sure this guy is a good manager. So everything he manages now we're skeptical about. But that aside, one of the reasons they're doing very well on, on revenue, but they missed their production target, which is not an outcome. That's a process thing. And so the street will look at all these things at any given publicly traded company, you'll look at the results and maybe you'll see the headline is company beat their sales estimates by this over that. But then there's all this other story about, and this indicator is this and this indicator, this and this, and that's why the stock went up. I think that's a great example. It does show up everywhere. And if you're looking at the right measures, then you can make smarter decisions, but we very often are looking at the wrong ones. So in closing, here's my just general guidance for everybody on what you can do with all this information. So first is, obviously, I hope you're setting a strategic plan and some goals for your business for the year. (laughs) And when you do that, go then look at what would my process be for achieving that goal, which is that how I'm going to do it, and then let that help inform setting better goals or objectives. So usually there's like a goal I want to achieve that's big. And then there's some key, like smaller goals or objectives that would help me get there. Again, back to the, I want to make X amount of revenue. There might be three targets I've got to hit in order to make that happen around 
how many clients I contact and how much I grow my email list or whatever your method is for growing your business, you're going to have some very specific things. So look at your process to help you inform a better specific way to achieve your goals. That will immediately show you how clear the path is from here to what that outcome is that you want. So use that process to assess if that goal is specific enough. And if not, then rewrite it or the outcome goal, you don't necessarily need to rewrite. You just need to write a more specific process goal. So make sure you're doing that step and then make sure throughout the year that you are measuring progress on process. So this is where I think if you want to think about the ignore the goal, once you've set the outcome goal, you can kind of forget about it and now just focus on the process. And measure your progress toward process. So every month, every quarter, you're asking yourself, am I doing the right work in the process for that outcome to happen? And just keep focusing on that. And then if you find that the process you're doing, you're following the process perfectly, but it's not helping you achieve the goal, then you can go look at improving the process. But if you don't do that, then you have no idea what to fix. So that's my guidance. Set those goals design a process to achieve that goal, use that process to assess, make a much more specific goal for you, and then focus on measuring progress on the process. That's my thing. That's awesome. May I add one more story? Of course you may. I don't know why, but this reminded me when I was taking piano lessons and I was in high school, I was pretty good at a regional level and kind of at a state level player. I remember going to Seattle with my teacher with our teacher, Sue Galt, and we were getting ready for some competition I was entering. But I really wasn't very good at practicing. I realize now I didn't know how to practice properly. I just had kind of a lot of brute force talent and I loved playing. But I remember her trying to tell me this and I didn't get it at the time. We would walk by practice rooms and hear some of the other students play, some students who beat me, (laughs) who were better piano players, And all they were doing was playing scales and exercises. That's all. They weren't practicing their song. And I would spend a lot of my time practicing the piece that I was going to perform. And she was saying, hey, listen, George, listen to these guys. Are they playing their selection? No, they're just doing exercises. It's because they were spending all their time focusing on the same thing, their process, their practice, and letting the performance of the piece take care of itself. And I didn't get that until I was in college and had a different set of teachers. It wasn't her fault. It was my fault. But I... This is exactly where I was focused on outcome. And so I would practice the wrong things, focus on the wrong things versus these other kids who were clearly process oriented. They kicked my butt musically. I didn't even know that about you. I would have assumed you were very process focused to get as good as you got around playing the piano. I think I had like more of a mix of that when I was learning it. But yeah, that's so interesting. You were just good by brute force. Up to a point. I'm definitely surprised. My, my theory was great. I was all about process with the music theory, learning how music worked and composing all that stuff. But when it came to performance, after a certain point, I just didn't have a good way of practicing fundamentals. I didn't have good ways of thinking about it. There you go, people. All right. That's all I have for the day for the pod. Awesome. Thanks, George. It's nice to have you back. Nice to be back. I love this topic too. You know, if people have problems with this, if only there were a person they could go to to help coach them on how to focus on process over outcomes. Yeah, I don't Do you know, know anybody, anybody like that. I really don't. We really should find somebody who's like an expert in this stuff. Yeah. Maybe get them on the pod and interview them. <laughs>
Oh my gosh. So funny. Reach out if you have questions and you need help with this and you're not sure what to do. And you can just leave us a voice message, beliefshift.com. You'll see a little widget. You can click leave a message and tell us what you think, or tell us what you have questions about. Tell us what you need help with. If you come up with a good question that you need help with in your business, maybe I'll just do it right here on the podcast. And so you get free coaching just like that. That'd be awesome. I know it would be awesome. So yes, would love to hear from people if they're like thinking about this process stuff, but are running into some issues because it can be a little bit tricky, but if you really focus on it, it'll get easier just like everything. All right. Mm -hmm. Thank you everybody. And uh, we will be back in your ears next week. Cool. See ya. Thank you.